Welcome to Always Listening, episode 31. We're your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel, and we are Always Listening. Uh, this episode of Always Listening, Josh, we're going to be covering Imaginary Worlds from Eric Malinsky. This is a Joel-hosted show. Right on. I'm, I know you're excited about well, that. Well, I like whenever... Uh, I like whenever Joel-hosted shows like do podcasts about the fantastic instead of podcasts about, well, this new app catcher or this technology that's coming to the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, not a, this is not a technology show at all. Uh, Eric Malinsky has an interesting backstory, actually, and I got to meet him at Podcast Movement 16. Going to rub it in a little bit more that I was there and you weren't, but you know, uh, he's a cool guy. Uh, he's a former Rugrats animator. He he was a, a background animator for the Rugrats TV show. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, on. It was one of his first gigs in the industry. Uh, and then he he left the world of animation a little bit because he wanted to be a storyteller and a filmmaker. And he ended up working for NPR for quite a while. That's where he got his audio chops, and that's where and you're going to see pretty quickly. That's where this show comes from. Clearly, is his time at NPR. So I'll give you the details on this. It's a 20-ish minutes uh, podcast. Sometimes it's oh, like, you know, 15, short. 18. Sometimes it's 20, 22. Um, well, he even, he comments on this, actually. He did a and a episode recently. And one of the things that somebody asked was, have you ever thought about doing, you know, like longer episodes, 30-minute episodes, 45-minute episodes? And he says, you have to remember, he's coming from the world of NPR where an eight-minute story is a very, very long one. So the fact that he's telling 18-minute stories, 19-minute stories, he feels like is like so much room to breathe. He's used to like just whittling it down to the bare essentials. So I, it's which the size that he wants it to be. There's a lot of merit to that. Like I rarely listen to an episode of Fugitive Waves or 99% Invisible, and both of those are on Radiotopia. I rarely listen to an episode of those and and not feel like I have had a complete story, but I often pull up their episodes and see 18 minutes ago, dang, only 18 minutes. I am always happy when a podcast in my queue comes up that's under 30 minutes. If you if you can tell me a full story in under 30 minutes, I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. This show comes out every two weeks. You can find it all at Imaginary Worlds Podcast, excuse me, imaginaryworldspodcast.org. I started to say .com. And he is on the Panoply Network. Uh, you mentioned Radiotopia there earlier. The, uh, Eric is with Panoply. So... What is Imaginary Worlds, Josh? It's a, a bi-weekly podcast about science fiction and other fantasy genres, how we create them, and why we suspend our disbelief. That's his tagline, and I think it very succinctly lines up what the show is about. Um, oh, man, I wish he would do an episode on fictional podcasts. Mm, you know, that's an interesting question. Like I if wonder if he would do an episode on, like... Audio the, fiction. Yeah, The Witness... Um, Limetown, uh, the one that we're about to do, Alice Isn't Dead. Yes. Because all of those, like, you have to suspend disbelief. And I had a lot of trouble with that, in particular with Alice Isn't Dead, that I didn't have with, like, Limetown or, 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 or Night Vale, for example. Well, okay, Here, here's an interesting little twist on this, because... So you are a big reader of, of fantasy works. Oh, yeah. Sci-fi, yeah. Uh, uh, high fantasy, everything in between. Yeah, if I want to escape, I don't want to escape into a, a biography or a history. So when I first heard the title for the show and I realized what it was about, Imaginary Worlds, the very first episode I listened to, I'm going to give you a clip of here in just a minute. It was about um, the finale episode of St. Elsewhere and the creator behind that show, uh, St. Elsewhere's Place, excuse me, the... Um, the drama series from NBC in the 70s and, and early 80s. Uh, but it's about the finale episode of that. And then 
I thought probably this would be about all fantasy. It really focuses largely on sci-fi because it's about Eric's interests. And it turns out he's not very interested in high fantasy. He does not like elves very much, for instance. Well, I'm with him. I don't either. Really? Yeah. I thought that was more your bag. It's like the magic, the medieval, you know, swords and sandals sort of stuff. Uh, No, some of that can get like, if somebody does that well, it can be wonderful. But few, few, few people can do that well. And it just comes out as hokey, right? Uh, So yeah, I try to stay away from those two. If you are a lover of that genre, then I will say that he's right now, I believe, in the middle of a series that sort of does focus on that side of fantasy. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes with that. Um, I'm going to give you a taste of this show right off the bat, though. This is... As a matter of fact, we're going to do the intro uh, to an episode. This will give you a taste of how he brings in and, and a real flavor of like how he builds his stories. This show is uh, called uh, One Winter's Night, I think is, was the name of this episode. And it's about, um, well, I'll let Eric tell you what it's about. It was a dark and stormy night. I know that's the ultimate cliche, but if there was ever a story that began on a dark and stormy night, this was it. It was the middle of June, 1816, exactly 200 years ago this month, when Mary Shelley started writing a novel called Frankenstein. Now, Arizona State University is actually using this date to kick off a bicentennial project on Frankenstein with lectures, art installations, performances, and conferences. I mean, they even have a whole department focused on science fiction. Professor Ron Brolio says its overall mission is to encourage positive thinking and less cynicism in sci-fi. Much of science fiction, it's easy to write yet another dystopic novel. But the challenge has been, can we use science fiction to imagine a more productive or a better sustained society? But here's the funny thing. Usually we celebrate the year a work came out, which in this case would be 1818, because Mary Shelley spent two years writing Frankenstein. So why are we celebrating the moment of inspiration? It's because June 16th, 1816, not just what was happening in Mary Shelley's room that night, but what was happening around the world, might offer us a glimpse into our future. You're listening to Imaginary Worlds, a show about how we create them and why we suspend our disbelief. I'm Eric Molinsky, and on today's show, the stormy birth of a masterpiece. Or... You could say. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. That's just after the break. It was a dark and stormy night, Josh. So I know you said, hey, I'm gonna let you listen to the intro of this show. So is this how is this how all of the shows or do all of the shows have a prologue? Oh yeah. All of the shows have at least like he opens it cold and sort of frames the narrative and then i think we call that a prologue yes and and then uh generally goes to an ad read that's that's how he opens his shows i think that's really smart i also like i don't think enough podcasts do that uh and i think stealing some structure uh from television uh is is a good idea like i like when my podcasts do that uh because i feel like it's respecting my time Right. So you can take this minute and a half, do a little prologue about what we're about to talk about. And that minute and a half, 
I can decide, hey, this is something I'm interested in, or, well, I, I didn't think I was going to like that topic, but now I think I will. I'll finish listening to this episode, or, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to skip this one. So you're saving yourself that 20-minute time period because the um, the host is is giving you that prologue and allowing you to make that choice. Well, the, the thing that I like is that you can... It's very artful when it's done really well because you can the prologue can tell a short story that is separate from but impresses upon or informs in some way the real story that you're telling. You can tell a whole separate succinct story in 30 seconds in two pages or whatever it might be in a prologue and and yet it also gives you color or background on the characters. I think it's a, I think it's really great when it's done well. Yeah, I like and, it. and he does do the do it well very often. Josh, let me ask you something about that clip in particular. Does how does this remind you at all of lore? That's something I thought about a lot listening to this show. Yeah, well, lore the does beginning. the same. Lore takes the same convention, right? And there's a couple of there's a couple of podcasts that do it. Or like lore is one of them, and then there's like the idea of the prologue, but it's not done that way. So, for example, um, oh man, who are the and it's one that I really like. They don't do it anymore. It's one of the recent ones we do. Uh, are you talking about Caustic Soda? Yeah, Caustic Soda, right? Caustic Soda has that same kind of convention, but they don't do it in, they don't summarize it uh, the same way, right? So, like, like for example, whenever they're talking about Caligula, mm-hmm. right, they would say things like, oh, we're going to be knocking little boots, right? So that feeds into, hey, you're about Caligula means tiny boots or whatever, right? Like, like they give you a little snippet. They do it in a fun way, but they give you little snippets of what they're going to be talking about in that episode, really, uh, in a fun way. And you can go back and like, Oh, that was cool. Like, like that was witty or dude, that's a terrible pun or whatever it is, but you know what you're getting into beforehand. So there's a, there's a podcast that I keep trying to like, Right. Okay. Um, I want to say it's called Myth and Legend, or maybe Myth and Legends. I can't. Oh uh, yeah, you you put this on our list. Yeah, I like I really back. like I really want to come across an episode that I can like feel comfortable pitching to like you. Mm-hmm. And if I can find that episode, um, then it's gonna the, the show is gonna go on the list. Okay. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll just dip my toe back in it to to fill it and kind of figure out what I what's kind of putting me off of being a regular listener of the show. Um, but this episode we're talking about, this podcast that we're talking about now, uh, feels like, especially from that one, talking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and things like that, feels like a podcast that could fill that void in my potosphere, my personal mm. potosphere, right? Um, so right now, I'm on board with this. All right. Well, so either you will keep me on board with this, in or the I'll next lose 15 you. I got you. Are you going to lose me? So, so let's talk about a, a subject that you don't uh, love to talk about a lot. Let's let's highlight the audio quality of the show. You've already heard a clip. You know that the show is pretty well produced. I told you it came from a, uh, NPR. Uh, Eric Malinsky, the host of Imaginary Worlds. Um, but in this clip, this is an example. He does interviews. Now, I said earlier that this show reminded me of lore from Aaron Mankey, and it does. Here's one way he distinguishes himself. Aaron, it's all scripted and narrated by him this show he weaves in interviews when appropriate from other guests and uh 
this is an example of about the worst audio quality that I've found so far listening to the show, and I've listened to almost every episode. Ben Saunders is a professor of English at the University of Oregon. He's written a lot about superheroes, and he's amazed that anyone can remember the origin of a comic book character that was created before most of us were born. Between 1938 and the first appearance of Superman in Action Comics number one, and 1946, when the superhero craze starts to really fade, there are 700 costumed crime fighters that appear in um, comics from that period. 700 different superheroes who are usually the, the, you know, the, the hopeful flagship character for new comic books. That's a phenomenal number, of whom I think it's maybe seven that are still around and familiar and that we know. It was survival of the fittest, or the most marketable. For a character to be successful, their story needed to tap into primal hopes and fears, especially of children. All right, so if that's the bottom that it gets to, is the the British guy on uh, like a really solid Skype connection, pretty much. Uh, obviously, audio quality is not a problem for this show at all. Um, production values, though, and I've got a, a good clip uh, here, too. I want to uh, talk to you about, um, well, actually... That'll be more content when we get to it. The way that he, because he, it does weave in the, well, it's sort of both. Well, we, we'll do it in between the uh, sections there because it weaves in the way that he tells his stories, but also the way that he uses other media. He takes clips from TV shows or clips from movies and, and weaves those into his well, story. Yeah, and I, I like um, in, the, in the intro clip that you that you discussed, whenever they're talking about it, and at the end it's the, it's the clip from the movie. It's alive! It's yeah. alive! Yeah, and, and that gives, like... He didn't need to create the atmosphere there. That's already been done for him. That movie did that atmosphere so well. So if you want to to make people feel that and remember that, just play that clip from the movie. You know. It, it, anyway, he does a good job of that. Um, to me, I think that the production on this one, and I know you don't really like a show that's overdone. I don't think this is overdone. It's just it's just done to a very professional level. He uses sound effects. He uses music when necessary. He uses clips from other media, as I mentioned, TV shows and movies. Um, and Eric's got the mind and the ear of an editor, obviously. Like, I'm sure he's got a production team that's helping with, with this in some way. But the fact that uh, his editor is actually referenced in the end of the show, it makes me think that it, it's more than just an audio polishing. I I would be willing to bet that he's got a partner that's doing like textual editing with him, which I mean, I've made plans to potentially do a narrative show in the future. And if that's the case, you'll be getting the episode ahead of time to do an editing pass for me. You know, like, I mean, not to actually edit it, but to say, Hey, here's things you could cut out. Here's things that didn't work. Here's things that worked great. You know, I bet he's got that at least too. Oh yeah. Um, all right. So skipping from production values straight into content, what is the show about? He's already said, you know, it's about uh, piecing and taking apart these dissecting these imaginary worlds and how we built them and where they come from, et cetera, et cetera. I think this clip does the best job of showcasing that. Have you heard of Tommy Westfall and the Tommy Westfall universe? Yes. Okay. So this is the idea that effectively everything or most everything that's takes ever been place, on your TV show or movie screen takes place inside a, an autistic kid's brain. Yes. Uh, uh, Tommy Westfall, a character from the St. The St. Elsewhere place, uh, TV show. Uh, I believe it was on NBC in the seventies and eighties. And, and I'm going to say like some, like I like that idea. Like I like that that's out there. 
But come on, some of these connections are pretty tenuous. No, I think they're they're well. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here, like, like if, so, for example, right, uh, the the cigarette brand uh, that was used in the X Files. The cigarette smoking man used yes. the same cigarettes all the time. Right. So you come up with your own brand. I mean, it's the reason Quentin Tarantino has Big Kahuna Burger because guess what? He doesn't have to pay royalties or anything to Big Kahuna Burger. Right. 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 And so doesn't the, he? He's got a cigarette too. Doesn't he have like nails, cigarettes, or something may, like that? May, so like so. Everybody can just use this cigarette brand because you don't have to pay marble for it, or you don't have to pay anybody to get it in the or, or whatever, right? So that's the that's the business smart side of putting that brand in all these different shows, right? If you have a scene yes. with smoking or somebody's, a... so if it's made for like that, seems to me to be made more from a, a business standpoint than a creative standpoint. And so if you're making that decision based on that instead of creativity and, ooh, let's let's weave this in, that's not connected to the world. I, I think a lot of, I think especially now that this is a known commodity, you know, after like the early 2000s when people started talking about Tommy Westfall on the internet, I think writers are doing it purposefully now. But if you don't know what we're talking about, here's a clip from the show. The episode is called Inside the Snow Globe. It was the first episode of Imaginary Worlds I listened to, and and I think this really succinctly ties up the whole idea of what we're talking about he here. He staged a crossover with Cheers, which is a sitcom, but they film their episode like a drama. So when Carla talks trash with the doctors from St. Allegis, there's no laugh track, and it's totally weird. Hey, hey, everybody! These two butchers work at St. Elsewhere! <laughs> Welcome to Cheers, Doctors Jekyll and Hyde. Who recommended this? I overheard Ehrlich talking about it. You'd think it. <laughs> the writers also used to keep a list of every crazy scenario that they would love to do for the finale. So when the show was finally canceled, Tom Fontana grabbed that list off the wall and brought it into a meeting with the executive producer, Bruce Paltrow. And this was his first idea. Two of the doctors are having a deep conversation in their office, which they often do. Suddenly... There was a flash, a mushroom cloud, and the two of them went, oh, my God. And then, <laughs> and then the show ended. Very 1980s. Bruce Paltrow was not buying it. So here's Tom's next pitch. Two of the doctors are having a deep conversation in their office, as they often do. And one of them says, I have a secret that's been weighing on me, and I have to confess it right now. I was the second gunman. In Dallas, the day that Kennedy died, and he then opens the drawer, pulls out a gun, and he goes, "Now that I have to, now that I've told you, I have to kill you." <laughs> Bruce Paltrow was not amused, so Tom was like, "Okay, how about this? Two doctors are having a deep conversation in their office, as they often do. It's snowing outside. We pan back to reveal that the entire hospital is made of plaster." And it's inside a snow globe, which is being held by Tommy, the mute autistic son of Dr. Westfall. It's one of the main characters. But we learn that in the real world, Westfall's not a doctor. He's a construction worker. And another doctor from St. Elsewhere is actually his father, who stays home taking care of Tommy. Hi, Pop. How are you doing? Good. How was your day up on the building? Well, we uh, finally topped off the 22nd story. How's he been to give you any trouble? He's been sitting there ever since you left this morning, just like he does every day, in a world of his own. 
careful with that, son. So this means that the entire series of St. Elsewhere has just been a fantasy in the mind of this mysterious boy with a snow globe. And Bruce said, well, it's not the worst one. <laughs> Go ahead and write it. I love this show so much. Like that episode had me hooked immediately. And I, I, I subscribed after I listened to that. And then I went back and I downloaded like every episode before that that I hadn't already listened to. Um, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, subscribe and listen to this show. Um, man, it's so hard to find. Like this is the type of thing that I, I like to listen to. Like even when I'm at the house, like I put on, you know, I'm, I'm watching the history channel or the discovery channel or whatever to just to find little things like that. Or if I'm on Netflix, I'm watching documentaries. Yes. Right. Um, so this is, oh man, this is so up my alley. I'm excited that I have this to listen to. Um, but they're so hard to find. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, how do you search? Period. Like, how do you search for it? Well, there's no, I mean, yeah, I guess you can go to Google and, and type, you know, like really artistic podcast about behind the scenes of all the things that I love. No, well, <laughs> you well know, generally like what you do is whenever you go and you do a Google search, Google search and you, and you want like, where is this ranked on iTunes? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's been featured before. Like I know he's, he's done well. He's got a lot of downloads. He's on a major network. You know, I mean, he's a, it's a big show. Yeah. But is he in a top 10? Uh, probably on not. iTunes. No. Right. So whenever you Google search, you're going to come across all the articles that are the top 10 for this, or the top 10 for this. And if a podcast doesn't make it into the top 10 and I'm just guessing that they're pulling it from iTunes rankings. I think a lot of those are literally just, it's the writer saying, here's my favorite you know, the 10 podcasts like this. Here's the top 10 podcasts in business. Here's the, you know, sometimes because the iTunes rankings change literally every day. So you just wait till it works for you and then yes. you put out the article. Yeah. So, well, I mean, honestly, like that's the joke. <laughs> Daniel J. Lewis has made this joke over and over again. Don't worry about gaming the iTunes system. Just Photoshop a picture of your, of your show at the top of iTunes. And then you can yeah. say iTunes number one show. Yeah. New and noteworthy, you know, uh, anybody can do it. Um, you can find this podcast, Imaginary Worlds, at imaginaryworldspodcast.com, uh, excuse me, .org, imaginaryworldspodcast.org. Eric Malinsky is the host. Uh, had a really good time meeting him, getting to talk to him. And as a matter of fact, sometime this fall, we're going to try to get together, do an interview maybe. That'll be available first to our patrons at least, and then perhaps eventually on the feed too. Uh, but uh, you can check that out. Check out his Patreon, as a matter of fact. Search for Imaginary Worlds or Eric Malinsky uh, on Patreon if you love the show. Uh, no, if we do an interview with people, it's going to be they're always going to be Patreon exclusive. There you go. All right, Josh, Josh put me in my place. Uh, you ready for a little listener feedback here? Ooh. Uh, we got some iTunes reviews. Uh, I wanted to share these. We got uh, three of them. Uh, we're using a, a new uh, service called PodBuzz that uh, sends us all of the iTunes reviews from all over the world uh, whenever they come in. So if you write a review, we will see it and uh, we'll read it on the show. Uh, first of all, this comes from Glasgow Gary from the UK. It's a one-star review, Josh. He says, listening to a podcast about which podcast not to listen to. Something that only the internet could come up with. No, we came up with it all without the internet, all by ourselves, Glasgow Gary. Thank you very much. I think that's fair. <laughs> uh, so, like, you, like, uh, you got us. You got us. <laughs> this one comes from uh, Dan Lefebvre from the USA. Uh, it's a five-star review. He says, you can't make everyone happy. Wow. 
Reading through these reviews, you get a sense of how tough it is to do a show that reviews other shows. If you don't agree with their review, don't rate this show poorly for it. Reviews are, by definition, purely a matter of opinion. If you're looking for confirmation that your favorite show is great, this isn't the show for you. If you're looking for new podcasts to listen to, this is a great show to give you a sense for a wide range of other podcasts out there. I think that's pretty fair too. I think that's exactly yeah. I think that's I think that is fair as well. All right. I can agree with a one star review, and I can agree with a five star review. This one comes from Psycho Sykes, also in the UK. Uh, a four star review this time. He says, "Great, great idea, and it helps me keep a rear of my ignorance." Well, I don't know about that, but I appreciate that, uh, Psycho. All right, if you want to review us on iTunes uh, or elsewhere, we'd love for you to do that. And uh, if we uh, see it, especially if it's in iTunes, we'll be able to read it here on the show. Um, Josh, uh, we want to remind people to check us out uh, on Patreon by going to alwayslisteningpod.com slash support. You can find us on Facebook by going to alwayslisteningpod.com slash Facebook. On Twitter by going to alwayslisteningpod.com slash Twitter. We made it really easy. I put, set up all those links so all that stuff works now. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I will say uh, one thing that I appreciated from the five-star review uh, and listener feedback is it's not our job to tell a podcast that we're reviewing that they're doing a good job, right? That's your job as the listener. And as the listener, if you were going to give us a one-star review because you didn't like a review that we had about your podcast, fantastic. But you damn sure better go give that podcast a five-star review. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I'll, I'll back that up too. Yeah. Uh, speaking of reviews, we've got more coming for you. Josh already mentioned uh, our review of Alice Isn't Dead, a Patreon uh, requested review that's coming uh, next week in the feed, as a matter of fact. And then early in October, we're going to have our review of The Church of What's Happening Now. Josh, I- I've been anxiously awaiting. Uh, that's going to be another explicit review, is it not? There's no possible way All right. to do that. Like, Man, I would I don't think you could find a minute and a half of audio that doesn't have some expletives. Have some expletives. Uh what what who who is the host of the Church of What's Happening Now again? It's Joey Coco Diaz. Of course, Joey Coco Diaz. All right. So that's coming early October. Uh and then in the middle of October we're also going to have a review of another round for you. I'm really excited about bringing you that one. And talk about a podcast that will drop some street wisdom on you out of nowhere. <laughs> You're like, man, I just I I just learned something about the way the world works that I didn't think so. Uh scary stories, uh street wisdom and uh, uh and uh Sassy sisters, all coming your way uh, in the next few reviews on uh, Always Listening. Until the next episode, uh, we've been your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And we are Always Listening. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all, but I've seen enough. Always Listening Podcast Reviews is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all our reviews, more info about the shows, and other podcasts we produce at alwayslisteningpod.com. If you love podcasts as much as we do, check out our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash alwayslisteningpod. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Will you bury me with my
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.